Good morning. I want to begin this morning by reading a poem that I came across earlier this week. It's called Here, a Blessing. Some other day, perhaps, I could draw you a map of this place. I could show you the strand of trees that has always seemed to me haunted by those arrowheads still surfacing now and again by the lake. I could show you the spot where eagles keep their nest, the silo where my grandfather and his siblings carved their names into the new concrete. I could show you the place where I stood the night the old depot burned down. But I think that today is a day for remembering how all our history comes down to our hands, how we carry the lines that our ancestors pressed into our palms, a geography of the generations inscribed upon us like a map. And so let it be that before we leave this place, this day, we lay our hands, the cartography ever etched in our skin, upon this ancient terrain, in gratitude and praise. And then, rising, turn them skyward, a blessing, a benediction, a prayer that the wind will carry far and far from here. As I mentioned, this is a poem that I came across this week by a poet named Jan Richardson, who I really love and would definitely recommend uh, if you're into poetry. She's got some great stuff. I mentioned a few weeks ago that fall feels to me like a season of nostalgia, a season for just kind of remembering and, and looking back on old times. And I thought this poem expressed really well what nostalgia and what pausing to remember feels like. For me, sometimes there are specific memories that will sort of flutter up. Uh, sometimes there's a, just a general feel that I'll get. And sometimes remembering the past will move you toward dreaming about the future. And so this transition season of fall always kind of moves me to reflect on the past and, and wonder about the future in a lot of ways. Uh, sometimes I'll have specific memories of whenever I was in school at ACU in Abilene, Texas. I'll remember entering the Bible building, uh, or I'll remember sitting around the library with friends studying. Other times there's a more generic memory, like the fresh, cool air or the color and crunch of fall leaves. And I don't know how to describe it, but it seems like fall almost has a certain smell to it. Um, and maybe it's that pumpkin spice that everyone goes crazy about, you know. And I feel like most people feel really strongly. Either they love it or they can't stand it. Um, so I don't know if you've had your first pumpkin spice latte of the season or not, but they're, they're here. So, but, but all of this nostalgia and remembering, do, do you resonate with any of this? I've seen a few nods. This is certainly how fall has felt to me. It's like this reflective season where the earth begins to grow old and it looks back to remember the fresh buds of spring and the warm adventures of summer, right? Not to mention the upcoming concentration of holidays with Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. This is a season that is just packed with stories and memories. It feels nostalgic. 
And so whether it's specific stories and memories or just the feel of a fresh, cool breeze, this is the stuff of nostalgia. It's the stuff of remembering. It exists somewhere between the past and the future, somewhere between the memories we have in our heads and the memories we have in our hands, as the poem said. So over the next few weeks, during this sort of nostalgic and reflective season, we're going to spend some time talking about the role that remembering takes in our life of faith. We're going to talk about remembering God. And so this morning, we're beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to open up there. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 1. And as I read it, the text will be on the screen, but I always want to remind you, um, I'd love for you to open it up so you can follow along during if if you'd like. So hear this. Moses uh, speaks out these words. Now this is the commandment, the statues and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep all his decrees and his commandments that I am commanding you, so that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently, so that it may go well with you, and so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey." as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. And write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God has brought you into the land that he swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you, a land with fine, large cities that you did not build, houses filled with all sorts of goods that you did not fill, hewn cisterns that you did not hew, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you have eaten your fill, take care that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word as it is a constant reminder of who you are. I pray that as we dig into this text this morning, that you would give us sharp minds and soft hearts, that we might know you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So remembering God. Before we kind of jump into the text uh, more deeply, I want to share a little bit more about its context and just the book of Deuteronomy in general. So, so this morning I've been talking a lot about nostalgia and remembering, and Deuteronomy is itself a very nostalgic book because you have Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers that come before it, all telling the story of Moses and the Israelites, their deliverance from Egypt, their covenant with God at Mount Sinai, They're wandering in the wilderness, 
And then after Deuteronomy, you have Joshua, which tells the story of their actual arrival in the promised land. But Deuteronomy sits right between those. And it's this pause. It's kind of this reflective glance back at the story that Moses actually tells. Most of Deuteronomy is actually Moses retelling the story of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. And he's urging the people to remember they're amidst a transition from wilderness wandering to a promised land homecoming. And so it's this very reflective and nostalgic sort of book. However, the kind of nostalgia that Moses has here is not merely sentimental. It's not just a self-serving nostalgia as Moses grows old and doesn't want to be forgotten. You know, don't forget me. Look at the first three verses that we just read. Verses one through three. We see here that Moses is urging Israel to remember God and to keep the commandments. In verse two, so that your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God. Later on, so that your days may be long. And then in verse three, so that it may go well with you. Moses is urging them to remember because it impacts their life and it impacts their relationship with God. And I want you to hear this. How we remember determines how we will live. How we remember will determine the way that we live. And Moses is stressing this because he has seen it happen with the Israelites. Because after some time wandering in the wilderness, the Israelites begin to falsely remember they grow anxious. They say, oh, remember the food that we had in Egypt? Wasn't it great? We're so hungry now. And yet they forgot that in Egypt they were enslaved. And they forgot that all of the wonders and signs that God had worked to deliver them from Egypt, and they began to doubt him. They forgot his power and his faithfulness, and they began to despair whether they would even be able to eat. And yet, if you know the story, God provides food because God is faithful and God did not forget them. And this is the reason why Moses implores them to remember God and to follow him because no matter how wonderful God is or how many of God's wonders they have seen and experienced, they are so prone to forgetfulness. And we see this more clearly if you look down towards the end of our passage. In verse 12, he says, Take care that you do not forget the Lord. This is the root of so many of Israel's problems. It's the sort of spiritual amnesia, just constantly forgetting who God is and what God has done among them. And we see this refrain throughout the rest of Scripture that you see in the Psalms, you see this in the prophets, this constant urge to remember, to remember God's covenant, God's promises, and God's works. And all of those reminders, all of those urges to remember trace back to this story that Moses is retelling here. And then if we look at the New Testament, we actually see the same thing. There's so many calls to remember. In 2 Timothy 2 verse 8, Paul says, Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. 
Or Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1 says, I think it is right to refresh your memory. Or another translation, I think it is right to stir you up by way of reminder. Or then there's the Last Supper, right? Where Jesus gathers around with his disciples, he breaks bread and drinks the cup, and he says to them, do this in remembrance of me. Remembering is so key and important to who we are and to our faith. For those of us who have been following Jesus for any amount of time, really, the problem is not that we don't know God's goodness or that we know our brokenness or that we know our neighbor's needs. It's that we forget. This is why the spiritual highs that we talked about last week fade so quickly. We have a spiritual memory loss. That's the problem that we have. And so the call throughout Scripture and the call that Moses has here is to remember. And so I want to say a couple of things about remembering that we actually see here in the text. First is that remembering helps us to keep perspective. Now, I've already said a bit about how the Israelites lost perspective in the wilderness, right? They forgot God's might and his power, And delivering them from Egypt, they forgot that he could and would provide for them. So they began to lament and despair. But there's another kind of loss of perspective that Moses warns about here. If you look at the end of verse 10, he says, When the Lord your God has brought you into a land with fine, large cities that you did not build, houses filled with all sorts of goods that you did not fill, hewn cisterns you did not hew, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you've eaten your fill, take care that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. See, while they were in the wilderness, they forgot God amidst their lament and their struggle. But here, Moses warns them of forgetting God amidst their celebrations and their ease, right? And he warns them that they might just begin to take God's grace, God's provision, God's abundance for granted. And so we have forgetting God in lament and forgetting God in celebration. And both of these are pivotal moments in life that we need to pause and remember God. To lament without remembering God is to be filled with despair. And to celebrate without remembering God is to be filled with pride. With one, we forget hope. And with the other, we forget grace. And I wonder, which of these do we tend toward? Do you tend to forget God in moments of ease or trial? I know that I tend towards the warning that Moses said here. That when it's going really easy for me, it's really easy for me to just kind of go on autopilot, kind of forget that my whole life is founded upon the grace and the goodness of God. Moses reminds them here that they did not build their own promised land. And I think sometimes I need reminding, and and maybe we need reminding, that, that we don't earn our own salvation. We don't build our own promised land either. We're not just good church people who do good things. Rather, we are people in desperate need of Christ. 
each and every day. The problem isn't that we don't know. It's that we forget. But remembering helps us to keep perspective in times of lament and in times of celebration. The other thing I want to say about remembering is that it's not merely sentimental. Our remembering is rooted in history, in real people, and real events. Look again at what Moses says here in these last few verses. He says, When the Lord your God has brought you into the land that he swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And then towards the end, he says, Take care that you do not forget the Lord who has brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are real people who lived. And their deliverance from Egypt was a real event that happened. When we remember, we're not just remembering warm, fuzzy feelings. We're remembering a God who has truly acted in history. A God who actually has done things here among us. And not just acting upon history, but actually acting within history. And we see this most clearly whenever God himself became human and entered into the history of our life, our world, in the person of Jesus. And he lived, died, and rose again. Jesus really lived. And the resurrection really happened. The gospel isn't just good news because it's spiritual. It's good news because it's true. Because it actually happened. And I wonder what our own sort of spiritual histories are. You know, God has continued working in history since that day through the Holy Spirit. Who are your ancestors of the faith? Maybe they're your actual ancestors, your parents, your grandparents. Maybe they're some of the ones who have poured into you. But maybe it's not. You know, maybe it's a good friend or a mentor who has brought you to faith or showed you what it means to follow Jesus. Or maybe it's an author, right? Some book that you've read. We we can't forget the hundreds of years of Christians who have gone before us. Our faith has a long and a rich history. Or another way that I've heard it said, the Holy Spirit has a history. The Holy Spirit has actually interacted and lived among us, done things among the people of God for thousands of years. And I'm going to encourage you time and again to get to know this rich history that we come from, the rich history that you come from. So remembering gives us perspective, right, in lament and in celebration. And remembering is rooted in history, real people and real events. And these are some of the themes that we're going to be coming back to over the next few weeks. Um, We're going to dig a little bit deeper into some of these. But for now, I just want to ask the question, how do we do this? How do we go about actually remembering? Well, there's a middle paragraph in the passage that we read that we haven't dug into yet, so I want to read that together. Beginning in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God. 
with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. And then in the next three verses, he gets really practical. And and before we do that, I just want to say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. This is what Jesus said was the greatest commandment. And in the same way that every morning that we gather together, we pray the Lord's Prayer together, this is something that the people of Israel would say together every time they gathered to worship. They would repeat this refrain, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, the Lord alone, right? And so as we remember, it is the Lord that we're remembering, not just memories. And as we remember, we're remembering with our hearts and our souls and our might. We're remembering deep in our heart, as he says here. And so that's what he goes on to say. In the next few verses, he just gets really practical about how we do this. And the way that I want to talk about it is hearts, hand, and home. Heart, hand, and home. So first, heart. In verse 7, he says, Recite these things to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away when you lie down, and when you rise. And I think some ways this reaches back to what we said a few weeks ago about setting our minds on things above. That the way we do this is repetition by coming together week after week and letting the word of Christ dwell richly in us. But here we see that it's not just here and weekly that we need this. It's everywhere and daily that we need this, both at home and away, both laying down and rising up. This is the kind of reminding that we need. This is how forgetful that we are. And so I want to challenge you, uh, maybe this week, to take even just five minutes in the morning after you wake up and five minutes in the evening before you go to bed and just spend some time with God. That can look a million different ways. You know, maybe it's just reading a psalm. Wake up in the morning and just read a psalm. And as you're reading, if your mind starts to wonder about all the things you have to do during the day, all the things that are coming up, that's okay. Pause and talk to God about those things. God, this is something that's bugging me. This is something that's coming up. Five minutes goes by pretty quick. And then at the end of the day, Maybe you read that same psalm again. Reflect back on it. And then reflect back on your day with God. Talk to God about the moments that were stressful. Talk to God about the moments that were fun. Ask God for peace where there's lingering anxiety. And give thanks to God for the places where there has been blessing. Five minutes in the morning and five minutes before you go to bed. That's my challenge to you this week. This is the kind of reminding that we need with our hearts. But the second is our hands, right? So verse 8, Moses says, Bind them as a sign on your hand or fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Our remembering needs to go beyond just our hearts. Just like remembering is more than sentimental, it's rooted in history, so also Our remembering is more than spiritual, but it's actually rooted in our bodies. Remember the poem I began with? She wrote, all our history comes down to our hands. 
And the same is true of our remembering God. I think we need physical reminders around us and built into our days. In a lot of ways, this is just eminently practical. I think we all have our own physical ways of reminding ourselves what we need to do. I've seen people pull out a pen and actually write stuff down on their hand. Uh, I've seen people just put sticky notes all over the place, right? These physical reminders. There's kind of the old school, like, put a string around your finger, which I've never really understood, but I guess someone did that. Um, Or maybe another example, a wedding band, right? A wedding band. This is a sign on your hand that's a daily reminder of the vows that you've taken of the things that bind you together, a symbol of your love. So I wonder what kind of physical reminders might you consider working into your life to remind you of God? Be creative about this. There's all kinds of stuff. But as we're creative about this, I also want to point us back to the physical reminders that God has already given to us. We have the waters of baptism And we have the bread and the cup of communion. These are physical things that constantly point us back to God, that remind us of the grace and goodness of God every time we gather. So we have heart, hand, and finally home. Moses continues to show ways of physical reminders in verse 9 where he says to write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Get this, decor is more than just nice and pretty. It's actually powerful stuff. The things we fill our homes with are telling a certain story. The things on our walls and the things on our shelves are subtle reminders of who we are and who God is. So I wonder, what story is your home telling? You know, a shelf of trophies, a set of deer antlers, maybe some of you, a collage of family photos put up somewhere. I'm not saying that we need to to go through and replace these things with cross-stitch Bible verses or, you know, paintings of, of Jesus or flannel graphs or anything like that. I'm just saying that we should think more deeply about the things that surround us that each of these should move us to thankfulness toward God, who has given the talent to win the trophies that might fill the shelves, or who has given the provision of the deer whose antlers are there, or who has given the community of friends and family whose pictures hang on the walls. And when we do this, suddenly our homes are transformed into little memorials for God, reminding us of God's goodness and his grace. So we remember with our hand, heart, and home. And with each of these, we're pointed back to the Lord our God, the Lord alone, and to loving him with all our heart and soul and might. So I want to close our time together with one more story. You might have noticed this little stack of rocks that we have on on the the picture here. It's actually a photo I took a few years back on the Olympic Peninsula at Ruby Beach. And 
Maybe you've seen these around. If you're a hiker, you might have seen little stacks of rocks around trail markers, right? They're, they're called cairns. And they're little reminders of where the trail is. They keep you on track, keep you from getting lost in the woods. But they also have another name. They're called Ebenezer's. This comes from a story in Samuel whenever God helped Israel gain victory against the Philistines. And they set up an Ebenezer to remember that moment. Ebenezer literally means stone of help. Ebenezer. And so this is what we mean when we sang earlier, here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I've come. We're saying that God has brought us to this place and we're raising a memorial to remember that we have come here by God's help. And why do we need that remembering? Well, because prone to wonder, Lord, I fear it. Prone to leave the God I love. We do this because we are so prone to forget. So that story. Here, Moses is urging Israel to remember God as they enter the promised land. He's telling them to pass on the memory to their children and to follow these commandments. And he tells them to do this with hand, heart, and home. Well, if we flip forward one book to Joshua chapter 4, we see Israel finally leaving their wilderness wondering and crossing over, miraculously, the Jordan River, just like they did the Red Sea before. And they head into the Promised Land. And as they're crossing the Jordan on dry land, uh, in verse 5 of Joshua chapter 4, Joshua says to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, one for each of the tribes of the Israelites, so that this may be a sign among you. And when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them, the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the ark of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. And so as Israel crossed the Jordan, they set up a reminder with their hearts and hands as they entered their new home. And today, I want to give us a chance to engage the very same way. And so if you look on the sides, we've got some tables here. And on those tables, there are some stones and some markers. And I want us to engage our hearts and our hands in this home of ours. So as we sing this next song, I want to invite you to get up and go over to one of these tables, grab a stone and a marker, and write on it maybe just a single word of who God has been to you. Maybe it's the word helper. That's probably the word they would have written down. Or maybe it's the word hope, or the word grace, or something else. Whatever that may be for you. Who has God been for you? Who do you need to remember God having been? So take one of these stones, write a word down, and then we've got a little 
thing up here, but I want you to just bring it and just set it in here. And we're going to create our own little pile of stones here, and it's going to stay with us over the next several weeks as we're talking about what it means to remember God. 